Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. The show that keeps you updated with what's happening in the world of royalty, from the British royal family through to the aristocracy and current events from around the royal world. Hello and welcome to Right Royal Roundup. I'm Carolyn Cash and coming up later on today's show, the Princess of Wales visits a Royal Naval Air Station, The Princess of Asturias receives a sabre during her military training. King Carl Gustav's Golden Jubilee celebrations continue in Stockholm. And what is involved in planning a state visit and details about regnal numbers in the United Kingdom after 1707. So stay tuned. On Right Royal Roundup... Time now for a British Royal Family update. News and views from Buckingham Palace. The Princess of Wales visited the Royal Naval Air Station Gerbleton in Somerset as part of her new role as Commodore-in-Chief of the Fleet Air Arm on Monday, the 18th of September, arriving around 11am. The visit follows King Charles' appointment in August 2023. Royal Air Station Gerbleton is one of the Royal Navy's two principal air stations and one of the UK's busiest military airfields. RNAS Yarbleton is home to a number of frontline squadrons and training units in the Royal Navy, including the Wildcat Maritime Force, and employs more than 4,000 personnel. Naval aviators welcome their new patron for the first time upon Kate's arrival, followed by a tour of the air traffic control tower, where she met some of the staff. Kate donned a headset and spoke with an airborne Wildcat crew when an F-35B Lightning buzzed the control tower and she watched an F-35 fighter jet land on the runway. Part of the Princess of Wales's tour, including inspecting a Merlin helicopter and a Royal Navy drone. Kate also burst into a fit of giggles whilst trying on an emergency life jacket and inflating it while she wore it. Then she jumped aboard both a Merlin and a Wildcat helicopter before taking part in some exercises at the Wildcat Training Centre. The Princess of Wales helped staff load a fake Sea Venom missile onto a training aircraft. Then Kate also had the chance to try out a simulator of a Wildcat helicopter cockpit, which pilots use for training. The Princess left around 2pm after a three-hour visit. RNAS Yeobleton's commanding officer, Captain Duncan Thomas, said he was delighted and privileged to welcome the Princess of Wales at the beginning of what he believes will be a long and rewarding relationship in her capacity as Commodore-in-Chief of the Fleet Air Arm. Captain Thomas also said they were hugely excited by this opportunity and he was delighted that the Princess will be able to support and to inspire their exceptionally talented sailors, aircrew and wider workforce in years to come. King Charles trained as a helicopter pilot at the Royal Naval Air Station in 1974. Visit Right Royal Roundup on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup. Or you can check out our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au. Princess of Asturias is currently enrolled at the General Military Academy in Zaragoza 
during her first year of training along with 560 fellow cadets to prepare for her future role as Queen and Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. King Philippe, Queen Letizia and Infanta Sophia accompanied Leonor last month as she began her first year of military training. The General Military Academy is said to be the Spanish equivalent of Sandhurst Academy in the United Kingdom. She is following in her father, King Philippe's footsteps, and those of her grandfather, King Juan Carlos. Leonor received her officer's sabre, which gives her the title of Lady Cadet, to mark her entrance into the officer scales of the General, Quartermaster and Polytechnic Engineer Corps of the Army, as well as the Guardia Civil Corps. This ceremony is a tradition at the General Military Academy, as students receive their titles of Knight or Lady Cadets. At the moment, the use of a sabre is limited to solemn occasions and ceremonies and is carried by officers who will be in command of units in a few years' time. A knight or lady cadet will prepare for their role as leaders whilst embracing the values of patriotism, honour, loyalty and service. The Spanish Royal House has released photos of the princess wearing her cadet uniform during her basic training which involves carrying out exercises, going on expeditions, shooting drills, combat track traverses, topographical routes and watercourse crossings. Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carol and Cash. Now crossing live to the throne. Golden Jubilee celebrations in Sweden continued as official portraits were taken at the Royal Palace with the Nordic heads of state, the heirs to the Swedish, Danish and Norwegian thrones and their spouses in the Bernadotte Gallery. The Nordic heads of state included the presidents and the first ladies of Finland and Iceland. Then there was the Jubilee Banquet held in the Hall of State at the Royal Palace with royal guests including King Harold, Queen Sonia and Crown Prince Haakon, Queen Margareta, Crown Prince Frederick and Crown Princess Mary, representatives from the government and the parliament, the diplomatic corps and representatives from science, industry and the arts. King Carl Gustav gave a welcoming address and thanked the guests and all those Swedes who have shown so much support confidence and appreciation for the 18,262 days since he has been on the throne. Crown Princess Victoria paid tribute to her father's 50 years and King Carl Gustav's ability to modernise the monarchy whilst maintaining traditions. King Carl Gustav addressed the people in Sweden during his Golden Jubilee speech earlier that evening, which was broadcast live on television station SVT1 and Swedish Radio. King Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia travelled in a horse-drawn carriage in a procession which started from the Royal Palace, then through the streets in central Stockholm to Hovslagarten. Then King Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia were driven in a 1950s Daimler, which is the oldest car in the Royal Mews, across the Skepsholmen Bronze Bridge and along Svensundvagen. King Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia then boarded the Royal Barge, Vassalorgen, at Ulstrabrobanken Quay, which passed Kastelholmen across Stockholm Bay to the lower Lovgaard Strappen steps below the Royal Palace. Six propeller planes formed part of the flyover of the Royal Palace, followed by jet aircraft from five different eras. King Carl Gustav, Queen Sylvia and the Royal Family attended a Jubilee concert at Norborough, 
featuring several of Sweden's most popular artists later that evening. You can see some of the photos by clicking on the link to this week's show. For any royal information heard on today's show, check us out at rightroyalroundup.com.au. So what is involved in a state or official visit? Some have asked why King Charles and Queen Camilla haven't visited a Commonwealth country such as Australia during their first year rather than European ones. Then others complain about the expense, especially for the host country, namely Australia. Royal commentator Dickie Arbiter clears up some common misconceptions about state visits this week in his article for Nine Honey as King Charles and Queen Camilla travelled to France for three days from the 20th to the 22nd of September. We will have details about King Charles and Queen Camilla's official visit in next week's show. Dickie says it is the UK's Foreign and Commonwealth Office who decides to invite via the country's ambassador or consider an invitation sent from a foreign nation. Then the Foreign and Commonwealth Office considers that country's political and diplomatic status with the United Kingdom along with its global standing and security in that country. After all, part of a state or official visit is to do business that benefits both countries as well as to maintain or improve bilateral ties on both sides. So it is not up to the royal family to decide where they want to go. When they do, they are accompanied by a foreign affairs minister or a minister of state. Some describe these state or official visits as soft diplomacy, which often works much better than sending a politician. According to Dickey, these state or official visits often achieve positive results. Firstly, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese met with King Charles on the 3rd of May as part of the coronation celebrations in London and extended a formal invitation to visit Australia at a, quote, convenient time, end of quote. Then, according to Juliet Ryden in her fabulous book, The Royals in Australia, a continuous dialogue begins between Buckingham Palace and the Australian Prime Minister to decide on suitable dates. Then all the planning begins for the royal itinerary along with a pre-tour recce by members of the royal household to meet the relevant officials, visit venues, address concerns about security and logistics. So at this stage, the earliest King Charles and Queen Camilla could arrive in Australia would be in 2024, but then again, it depends on suitable dates. On Right Royal Roundup, we now go back in time for some Right Royal Regal history. As we mentioned in last week's show, the regal numbering system in England began with the Norman Conquest in 1066. Scotland started in the 10th century with Kenneth II in 971. And the 12th century in Ireland with King John II in 1171 and continued until 1801 when the Acts of Union 1800 came into effect during King George III's reign. There were also three Edwards before the Norman Conquest, Edward the Elder, who reigned from 899 to 924, Edward the Martyr from 975 to 978, and Edward the Confessor from 1042 to 1066. However, in 1707, 
the regnal numbering system became rather confusing following the Acts of Union which united England and Scotland into a single sovereign state known as Great Britain. When King James VI of Scotland succeeded Elizabeth I of England in 1603, he was also known as King James I of England as there had never been any previous monarchs named James. His grandson was known as King James II in England, but King James VII in Scotland. The same applies to all those kings named William, Edward and Henry. Before 1707, England had six kings known as Edward after the Norman Conquest, with the last dying in 1553, but there were no Scottish kings called Edward. Both England and Scotland have had a King John, the one who put his seal on the Magna Carta in 1215, and John Balliol, whom King Edward I chose as King of Scotland. So there was confusion about King Edwards VII and VIII, who would have been King Edwards I and II in Scotland. As mentioned earlier, England had Queen Elizabeth I, but in Scotland, their first Queen Elizabeth was our Queen, Elizabeth II. Not to mention any future monarchs named Alfred, Edmund, Ethelred, Canute, Harold, Stephen, Malcolm, Donald, David, Alexander, Margaret, Edgar, Robert and Macbeth. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to Ride Royal Roundup with Carol and Cash. Tune in next week for more of the latest royal news from around the world. And don't forget to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup or visit our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au.